offering information for your mind, enabling transformation for your heart. A weekly dialogue exploring God's Word and its application for today's world. Sabbath School U. Hi, and welcome to Sabbath School University. I'm Angela, and we're glad you're here. I'm joined today by Mike, or Michael, Kayla, and Kathy. Yes. Right? Yep. Okay. Um, Michael, can you start us off with a prayer? Sure, sure. Bye, heads. Dear Father God, thank you so much for this opportunity for us to come together and discuss this lesson, Jesus in Jerusalem. We ask that you will be with us and guide us in our conversations and that you will open our hearts and minds to the information that we will discuss today. In your name I pray, amen. 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 All right, and Kayla, you're up. Start it good. Take us to the word. All right, we are reading Matthew 21, 42. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected has become the, ch the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Hmm. All right, so we're talking about Jesus in Jerusalem. <clears throat> Go. Uh, we're starting. <laughs> We start with the history kind of of the temple, right? They're talking about actually building the temple, the physical building instead mm -hmm. of, well, the spiritual and all that. But it was interesting to me, this, the, the history where they basically talk about they cut out all the stones and they take them to the site and then, then they figure out what to do with them, which is really weird to me that <laughs> there's you so think much- you plan that. Yeah, yeah. it seems yeah. like bad plan. There's like no <laughs> communication. Architects yeah. and the actual construction workers are like, what's this? Right. Why yeah. is this here? And depending on where the rocks come from, like my husband's family's from Peru, so in Machu Picchu, there's always that, how did these rocks get yeah. here? Because they came from the bottom of the mountain. So like getting the rocks yeah. all the way up to the top is a lot of work, because they're huge. Yeah. So it's not like there's a rock pile here, mm -hmm. we're cutting it out, put it right there, now do something with it. They didn't get beamed up. No. That we know of, yes, right. correct. No. So, and then that, that one rock that they can't figure out what to do with is the most, or one of the most important ones. It has to hold up to everything. I think that's really cool. Yeah, it's also, almost like the rocks are here. They're not gonna get rid of it. Mm. And that ends up becoming the cornerstone. Yes, which is mm. Jesus. Mm. All the allegories of pouring in, guys. <laughs> yes, Take <yes>. it. <laughs> Take it away. <laughs> Somewhere. I mean, and honestly, this is something that, like, there's a specific context for it right now, but, I don't know, I feel like a rejected stone all the time. Right. Like, this isn't, I know this isn't like Angela's therapy time, <laughs> but, but I think like we you're all know this stone. feeling okay. that you think you're unimportant, you think you're just like a piece of trash basically. Shape. Like I don't quite fit into where I am, I'm not quite like everybody in my office. Mm -hmm. I feel sort of like this stone that was just made and then they're like, oops. But that's the stone that Jesus Used. uses. So to you're be saying the you're a one. cornerstone. I, I mean, I might be. Why not? I might be a wall stone. <laughs> I'm okay with that. But yeah. <laughs> I think it's important to note that value, the value of the stone, wasn't necessarily in its shape, mm -hmm. in its quality, but it was more about building around something that everyone may have thought there was no use for. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a parallel to draw there. Yeah. Oh, and they had left a space for it, clearly. Exactly. They've been looking for it. Right. And mm -hmm. they found it. Uh, and then we go into like prophecy, which is interesting because the temple, uh, 
everything points to Jesus, right? The whole Old Testament. Um, but then when they, when they went back to rebuild the temple after the captivity and everything, people were weeping because they remembered how, how beautiful it had been before. And they just knew they couldn't match it again, um, which is so sad. Mm -hmm. But that's life, I guess. But then, but then you have the prophecies of God comes back and says, no, no, wait, wait, wait. You're sad, but hey, I'm going to do something even better with this. It's going to be better than you imagine because it's a different kind, a, a different kind of glory is going to be in this temple. Well, I think that it's, um, I don't know if I'm saying this correctly, but it's like they've, they created a preconceived view of what it should have looked like or what it should have been. And I think that happens to us all the time. Um, I know it happens to me, at least. Um, I have this image of what I think things should be and what I think God should be doing in my life. And I fail to see what God is actually doing in my life. And um, I think that's like the biggest thing that stood out to me was the fact that like how caught up they were in um, something that their will, they thought needed to be done or needed, it needed to look like in a certain way when in reality God was using um, something else in a greater way, I feel like. Yeah, and I think it's easy to kind of look at that and say, well, they didn't trust God enough or they didn't believe in his power. But I think, honestly, even just as humans, when this happens in our lives, sometimes it's just because we don't think he cares enough. Yeah. Like, God doesn't wor worry about how this is going to turn out or how that's going to turn out. I don't think it's always a matter of, well, God can't do that. But... You know, what? how important is it? How involved does he want to be in my life? What is he planning? Or is he even planning? Or should I just go it by myself? Yeah. Definitely questions to consider, but I think he's definitely there for you, and I think he has a plan. Um, that prophecy kind of speaks to that to me. Like, mm -hmm. he's, he's there in the future. He has a plan. He knows all the details. So maybe there isn't a prophecy specifically about Angela. Mm -hmm. But God, God still knows. There's, there's still something. And also, maybe we're concerned with the wrong parts of the picture, like the wrong mm -hmm. pieces of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. Like, is it this? Is this the piece that God will intervene in or fulfill His will through? Is that why we're not seeing? Because maybe it's not this piece, and mm -hmm. so we're expecting mm -hmm. His attention to be on in the minutia of what we're able to. Yeah you know, focus on, uh, on the larger scale, he's like, no, no, that's not even the piece that I'd be concerned right. with. Yeah. It's this piece over that's here. Not the right. issue. <laughs> so it's not that I'm not here, it's just I'm actually here. Mm. I'm not, I'm not going to mm. dwell in this little space here. He's mm. the architect. So what are we saying here, really? Well, can I read something sure. that kind of stood out to me here? Um, in, in the lesson, it, it's talking a little bit about um, the temple and it says Jesus quoted scripture to justify his action uh, his actions more evidence that as followers of Lord um, of the Lord we must make the Bible central to our whole worldview and moral system and then he goes on they keep talking and then says fearing of their own earthly treasure and status as the stewards and guardians of the temple many would lose out on the very thing that the temple service was pointing to salvation in Jesus. Mm -hmm. Man, I got mm. goosebumps from that. Um, whew, because I, I don't know, I, I love, my biggest thing is uh, uh, for me to feel like I'm part of a church community, I have to be very involved. And I feel like 
Um, not necessarily upfront because I don't like being upfront, but I just feel like I, I need to be doing stuff um, mm -hmm. in order to feel like I am part of a church community. And sometimes I feel like in doing these stuff, I get so mm -hmm. angry or like, about little things like let's say there's putting up a program and somebody walks in stage right instead of walking in stage left I'm like really but, I wouldn't want to face I you like, in a moment like that <laughs> yeah and so like and I lose sight of why is it that I'm putting on this program and I think this is a hundred percent what happened yeah. here you know um what was the point of the temple was it to look beautiful and like be like, mm. no. I, right. I have to agree with around. this in, in your point as well because it resonates with me. I, in, in so many different churches, I've seen it happen. And it's particularly, and let, let's not just say wealthy churches because I think wealth takes on different shape depending on which congregation you're talking to. What do they consider? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't wealth. think it has to do. But let, let, let's just talk about in cases where there are churches with resources, mm -hmm. they hold on to these resources, forgetting what the resources are supposed mm -hmm. to be for. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you have this beautiful structure and you have this these beautiful programs and you have these beautiful people with their beautiful things. <laughs> and, you know, are we even doing half of what we could be doing? Mm -hmm. Are we even doing a quarter of what we could be doing with those resources? And when we look here in, in, in that Not to saying that those beautiful people aren't important and should be ministered to as well. Sure, but as they minister <laughs> with whatever resources they've been blessed with, mm -hmm. are they and are we, and it doesn't have to be financial. When I say yeah. resources, there are people who are doctors, lawyers, um, you know, mm -hmm. educators. Are, are we going out and using our resources for the the mission yeah. of the church. And I think here, when it says, fearing for their own earthly treasure and status as the stewards and guardians of the temple, many would lose out on the very thing that the temple service was pointed to, salvation in Jesus. Sometimes we get so engulfed and so engrossed in what it is that we've accomplished, whether it's educationally, financially, you know, just with economically with things, that we forget how and why we have those things, how we got them, mm -hmm. and why we got them. So what's a good way of remembering that, of being, um, I, I don't know if this is a good translation in English, but planted, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, sure. rooted. Rooted, yes, <laughs> like, so that you know you're not always in on cloud nine thinking mm -hmm. of, oh, that, you know, I, I did this and I did that. How, how can you maintain that mm -hmm. level of, you know, knowledge of knowing why you're doing what you're doing. You know, I think some people genuinely are not aware that the ways by which they hold on to their blessings are actually deterring them from being a blessing. Mm -hmm. Because what, what, what this is talking about is that these people were, they, they took pride in the fact that they were good stewards and that they mm -hmm. were responsible mm -hmm. for this structure for this temple. Yeah. They, were, they were the stewards of this place. temple. And so it was a pleasure to be a miser on the dollar. <laughs> you know what I mean? To, to, to it was take, honorable. To, it was honorable. Yeah. And, 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 and so not just on the dollar. It might be a pleasure to, to, to know what we know and to be able to educate others. But how we choose to educate and when we choose to educate, is it only benefiting ourselves or one particular purpose? Or are we going and using that till its fullest potential. 
And so if we get so locked up in the guise of what we think our purpose is, which is for the structure, mm. are we forgetting about the body? And the content. I think in the world of like, the world I'm familiar with in nonprofit, one of the most powerful things in an organization is the mission statement. Mm -hmm. That's something that maybe wherever you work, you don't have it memorized, but you should because that is your guiding statement. That is the one thing you look toward to to figure out why am I doing what I'm doing? How does my piece fit into this puzzle? Mm -hmm. And I think God's left us some amazing mission statements in the Bible. You know, one that I go back to, it, I mean, it feels so cliched, but do unto others as you would have them do unto you, the golden rule. Like, we come up with so many ways of saying that, so many different slogans or initiatives or all sorts of things. But really, that's, I mean, to me, that's such a big part of it. It's, And he says it a different way by saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart and then love your neighbor as yourself. Like, that's your mission statement right there. So if you're wondering, how do I get centered in this ministry program? Here's the two things you're trying to accomplish. Love your Lord, love your neighbor. How is this fitting into one of those or both? And and, 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 and by which method do you do it? Mm-hmm. And I think another mission statement that, that's thrown at us is the Great Commission, to go and mm-hmm. preach the gospel. Yeah. And one of the things I like about that mission statement is that it doesn't look the same for everyone. Yeah. I think that's exciting. 100%, and, and, yeah. and I think the more people look at what it looks like for them, the more we can see the growth of our personal experience affect on someone else because yeah. you know I may not have the gift or ability to just you know or the resources to get on a plane and build a church somewhere but maybe maybe I do have the ability to support that mission or maybe I have the ability to go down to my local you know municipal building mm-hmm. and and offer offer whatever services I'm, I'm capable of giving yeah. can I can I tutor some kids after a class can I be available to help parents who are trying to, you know, make it through school or finish work, can I help them care for their kids? Is, is there something I can do with my resource, which may, which may be availability, um, to help someone else in a particular like need a, that you're meeting? Like a big puzzle. Like we all are shaped differently because we're all, we have a different piece to fill in the big puzzle of right. going out. Right. And yeah. yeah, like you said, there's people who go out to the mission field and can do that. And there's people who will walk down the street and that you know, talk to that person on the corner and that's their mission. Mm -hmm. Um, I think another important part too, I mean, not only like having a mission statement for yourself and Mm -hmm. um, believing that, but also surrounding yourself with people Mm -hmm. that will encourage you. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know because I've found myself in situations where I have, not that I couldn't have been surrounded by people, but I have pushed myself away from people that could have helped me. Mm -hmm. And I think... Um, and obviously this doesn't work for every circumstance, but in knowing what God wants um, for our lives, I think we can see that with the people around us um, that will let us know, hey, you know, what's going on? Is there anything I can help you? I actually see your talents in this. And sometimes you don't see your own talent. And maybe I can be like, Angela, you're really good at talking to people. Why are you not talking to people? You know, like, (laughs) um, I don't know. I just thought that 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 was a another way of you know fulfilling that and yeah and I think one of the things another benefit to what you're saying Kathy of 
having people around us that we trust and can be honest with us is often they can also see our shortcomings. <laughs> and assuming they're people that love and care for us, you know, and they do it in the most delicate manners possible, that can be a really valuable insight because it's so easy to look at situations and be like, they obviously didn't have their priorities set. I remember seeing a sermon once where the pastor, it was um, live streamed or something. So he was thinking about the production mm. and in his altar call, he said, come up here with me, come, come be with me and give your life to Jesus. And the person, one of the people that came tried to walk up to the stage because <laughs> the pastor was like, come be with me. And then the person got up two steps and the pastor said, no, 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 you stay down there. Mm. Oh, awkward. I'm just like, oh no. So for me, it was painfully obvious that, is so funny. that he put the production yeah. before his actual mission. Mm -hmm. But I, I mean, for him, I'm sure it was just part of the process. And I think there's gotta be so many times that I've done something like that, something ridiculous that I said, no, 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 we can't have this person get involved because this is the person more talented for the position, so they must be doing this. And, you know, I get into that mindset like you do of, you know, we have to make this right so it'll be as good as possible for God's glory. Yeah, and having someone tell you, hey, call mm -hmm. you out, I'm like, hey, you know, like, and it doesn't have to be in a harsh manner, but right. in a way. But speaking of harsh manner, yes, yes. <laughs> go ahead and be harsh. Right. Uh, no, why do you always assume I'm going to be? Um, Jesus is a little harsh here, but I think it's not uncalled for. Um, obviously, like at first glance, I mean, not, I don't think, I know he was harsh here, but I, um, this poor fig tree, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, the fig tree and like when he goes into the well, temple to cleanse the yes. temple He's is harsh well. a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I think makes Jesus so relatable. <laughs> I think that the fact that he has different dimensions and that mm. we see, we see him be gentle to the children and. Um, not that he was like gentle to the children and mean to adults. No, but he had like, he had like, sometimes you gotta be gentle to the kids and mean to the adults. Like, but he had like a different, um, he had just different dimensions and mm -hmm. we see him here, um, calling these people out. Like you said, uh, Angela, like he, he just said, Hey, what, like, what, what are you doing here? Like, this is not what I have called you to do. This is not, this is my father's house. Um, I don't know. I you were entrusted with this. Yeah. Well, I, I, I find it funny too because of the lesson. It talks about, you know, I'm not here to condemn. And, you know, so mm. it, it has like, I'm not here for this, I'm here for that. I've come to do this, not that. And then it's like, mm. I cursed the victory. <laughs> and then, there, you know, and there's just like harsh um, uh, demeanor that, that is expressed. But I think, I think it, while it's harsh, it's so appropriate. Mm. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. so appropriate because, you know, I think a lot of times people like to get wrapped up in the fairy tale of who the Messiah is, okay? It, you know, they thought it was going to be someone riding in on a chariot that's going to destroy, mm -hmm. you know, those who oppose him. When really he comes in now, you know, as harmless as a dove and he's ministering to people and they're like, this, is, this isn't it. And, you know, so then the moment he has a little, a little display of some fierceness, you know, then they're like, whoa, that was too much, Jesus. Right. <laughs> yeah, what are I you doing? Yeah, warrior. Yeah. No, What's that's going scary. on? You know? <laughs> but I think, I think this speaks to, like you said, the dimensions that are 
existing in the personality of Christ, in the character mm -hmm. of Christ. There is a warrior. There is a strength mm -hmm. in his character. And we usually, and we usually <laughs> see that displayed when it comes directly in conflict to who God is. Mm -hmm. it, you know, he took a lot on himself. But whenever it was in relation to his father, like respect. It was yeah. like there's a respect that you have to have here. You know, mm -hmm. his humility didn't allow himself to 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 react in that way when people wanted to throw stones at him or yeah. curse at him or you know throw shade. Yeah. Right. But if it was if it was to God, to the Father, and and if there put was his foot down, he put his foot down. And I think today we see this happen in the lives of some Christians where there's an indignant stance when it comes to religion and and mm. and, and 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 God himself where we kind of we kind of maybe go too far mm. with what people people may say we've gone too far too harsh in condemnation but i think i think there is an appropriate time mm -hmm. for this to happen mm. and and how do we find that balance how do we find that appropriate time we're not jesus you know what I mean? But we are the son of truth, yeah. sons and daughters of God. You know what I mean? We are we we are walking in the footsteps of Christ. We are Christians. We are Christian believers. We should have that same ferocious desire to defend who God is to us and others. How do we do it appropriately? Before you answer that question, because I know you yeah. want to answer that question, I'm gonna ask another question okay. so you can I'll double answer the question. <laughs> Compound. <laughs> One of the questions in the in the lesson it says, no question sooner or later, people totally reject God's mercy and grace. Why though is it so important that we leave those kind of judgments to God <laughs> and never make them ourselves, mm -hmm. either about others or even our own selves? I think she just vetoed your so, question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. No, but I well, like, the judgments wouldn't be done by us, okay? So I, I'm not thinking, I'm not thinking. I'm not, source there you go. go. Yeah, because that's not the question I asked. The, I didn't ask when do we find it appropriate to judge. Okay, what did you, judge. okay. I'm asking right. when do we find it appropriate to make that defense of who God is? Mm. You see the difference? Okay. Which, okay, so, so like when we're, when we're, when we're, motto. well, not really. Okay. So, for example, when you are in a situation where you don't have to defend Seventh-day Adventism or whatever religion you have, you have to speak up on who God actually is. If you saw someone mischaracterizing your father or your mother, you might have something to say about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they may, they may have something to say about you and you can let that fall off your back, but something about us might want to yeah. say something if it's our mother or our father. So when, you know, I've been in several conversations where I've heard people try to explain what a Seventh-day Adventist is. And I'm thinking, oh, that's not, not that's right. Not you know, and they're like, oh, those are the people who um, are only vegetarians and they're not allowed to do anything. And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. I live a pretty full and exciting life. I do plenty of things. Now, do I need to judge them on their lack of knowledge on who a Seventh-day Adventist is? No. But should I feel indignant to share with them about who SDAs really are? Yes. But how do I do it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, see, I think so. in this situation, for me, I do not interpret this as Jesus just losing his his temper and falling like flying off the handle. Like he's not. Oh, I think he flew off the handle. Okay, but I don't think he ever lost control, because Jesus is is our one example, or was one of our examples yeah. of somebody who was completely into. He knew what he was doing at all times. He never lost control. Mm -hmm. That is how that. To me, that's how I interpret Jesus. So 
these instances of him acting out, we might think, is more to show the seriousness of the situation. Absolutely. Because he needs to get their attention. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't do it to hurt anybody. And he turns around, like in the same act of, of getting um, all the people who are abusing the temple and misusing their resources, misusing the purpose of the temple, um, he turns around and says, you know, children, come to me. Like, mm -hmm. And then he has like time with them. It's not... Mm -hmm. When, when, when think, we use the word indignant, just mm -hmm. to qualify the, the term, that means you have every single right to make that statement or to make that action. But and Jesus went into that time, he flipped over the tables. You see what I'm saying? There is a, there is a right that yeah. comes with that. Now, he spent some time explaining through his actions, not defending his actions, but explaining right. through Helping his actions people understand. how that is qualified. Mm -hmm. And it's through a loving and Christ-like manner. It's through that kindness and through his actions that people were able to see past what someone could misinterpret as flying off the cuff or mm. losing a temper. It's really more about, wow, this man is, in fact, embodying mm. the responsibility, the stewardship of what a Christian should be. And that's the realization that I think people will naturally come to if you're living the proper life of a Christian. That's why you can't make that judgment. You're going to leave that to God. But you can make the statements. And I think that sometimes we may get comfortable, and we talked about this in the previous lesson, or, or we remain uncomfortable on how to do that. And I think that once we've come into a place where we're able to express the importance of who God is in our lives and who God is in the greater scheme of things, we will have a sense of indignant uh, stance where we can make those statements without being offensive. Well, I, oh, sorry. Well, I'm just saying, to be fair, I think a lot of times we think of like people out in the world are saying things misrepresenting God or Sometimes, right. mischaracterizing, yeah. but exactly. I think so many times I see fellow Christians Absolutely. misrepresenting our God. Absolutely. And I see it in statements the flippant statements of, well, oh, obviously that's what God wanted because, God was leading. right, mm -hmm. where it's really just a defense of their own decision Action. or their mm -hmm. own plan or, oh, look, these things happened to come about and fit together for the right. Well, that must have been God. Well, it's like sports teams when somebody right. wins. Well, God wanted this to happen. Well, obviously right. it happened, so it was God's will. And I think as Christians, we misrepresent God a lot. We use his name in vain when we do just that and saying, oh, well, God, and I've, I've seen, I see this on a daily basis where something happens, somebody passes away, and I see comments on social media of people saying, well, obviously, because they weren't in church when they should have been. That's why that car accident happened. And that really yeah. gets to me. Sure. Because it's that same, we don't misrepresent mm. our God. Now, what's your one take from this lesson. That just like my mommy and daddy love me, not just like, but even more, <laughs> God cares for me even though he has to call me out sometimes. That, I, I have to say it's the same thing. I don't really <laughs> you know, know what else to good. Say. <laughs> for me, it's Jesus in Jerusalem. This is Jesus going to the heart and the root hmm. of where the conversation is taking place and he's making a, a statement in this entire lesson, and that statement is a clear and loud one. Hmm. That leaves us so much to think about, but we're so glad you were here. It doesn't have to end here, though. Check out SabbathSchoolU.org for even more videos and learn more with us.
and we hope that this will help inspire and transform your life.